everyone and welcome back to I'm Not the Book Expert, but she is. I am one of your hosts, Rachel, and I'm going to spoil this before our next host introduces themselves, but today we are not talking about a book. So what you're saying is we're not you're not the expert and you're we're not talking about a book. So like we've basically We've thrown out the name of the podcast. We've, we've thrown out the entire premise of the show. Exactly. That is exactly what it is. Well, hello, listeners. I'm Maggie. Are, you're probably so shocked to hear my voice. Big surprise here that I'm on this podcast. But Maggie, if we're not doing a book today, what are we doing? We are talking about The Lightning Thief. Not the book, but we are talking about The Lightning Thief. The Percy Jackson musical. I'm so um, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But yeah, if you didn't know, um, The Lightning Thief was adapted into a musical um, a couple years ago. Um, and it's been it's been off Broadway. It's been on Broadway. It was touring for a little while. It's It's got a really interesting saga and story. So since we just talked about The Lightning Thief, the book, we thought we would talk about one of the adaptations of it that we're both um, fans of. I think that's the nice way of saying it. That we're both fans of? Yeah, like you could have said anything else. I was like, how is she going to end that sentence? Because I would have ended it with that we're both in love with. But apparently Obsessed that's not with, hyper fixated on. <laughs> Insert verb of your choice, right? Those are verbs. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You're the English teacher, so I'm going to go with what you say. Well, it depends on how you use it in a sentence. Okay. Well, we're not we're not here for grammar lessons. We're here to talk about Perseus Jackson. Oh, but I can turn anything into a grammar lesson, Maggie. Not this podcast. Okay, but small tangent. Uh, okay. My students, well, some of my AP students refused to stop swearing. So whenever they would swear, I would tell them what part of speech it was. And that's how they learned their parts of speech. Hey, that's pretty good. I was very proud of myself in that moment. That is that is how you adapt your classroom. Indeed. They were trying to take a test and they wouldn't stop talking. So I said, okay, fine. Grammar lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but So Maggie, Rachel. Oh no, are we both transitioning? Yeah. (laughs) Rachel, what have you been reading recently? So I'm in the middle of my June reread of Truly Devious and that series. So I finished Truly Devious and The Vanishing Stare. So I have the hand on the wall and the box in the woods to look forward to. I'm almost done with the hand on the wall. Um, I have like maybe an hour left of the audiobook. So it's not going to take me very long. However, I have finished two ARCs or Advanced Reader or Reviewer copies recently. Um, One of them is the Not So Chosen one by Kate Emery, which comes out in like a week, takes place in Australia. I actually really enjoyed it. I tried so hard to finish it last night and it was like 12 o'clock at night and I had already worked all day and I was exhausted and I was like, I can't. But my heart was just so like beating so hard. I was mm-hmm. like, I need to find a stopping point and I need to go to bed and then I will finish this in the morning. So that's what I did. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. I gave it four stars and left a review. And then I also listened to 24 Hours in Ancient Egypt by Donald P. Ryan. It was pretty good if you 
don't know a ton about ancient Egypt. If you do, then you're just kind of like, oh, this is all information that I've had before. That's fair. Yeah. But what have you been reading? Um, well, I finished For the Wolf and I read For the Throne by Hannah Witten. Um, I loved them both, of course. Of so course. no surprises there. And I'm just going to throw it out there since we, you can cut this out later if you want to, Rachel. But since we are talking about like a middle grade book here, I do just want to like add the caveat that For the Throne and For the Wolf are like geared more towards an adult reader audience. So just like if you're a younger person listening to this because we're talking about Percy Jackson, just keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also read the graphic novel Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker. Wendy, is it Shoe? Is how you would say that? That's how I would say that. Yeah. Forgive me if I am incorrect. Um, I read the graphic novel Mooncakes by Suzanne Walker, Wendy Shu, and Jomet Gill. Nice. And so that's what I've been up to lately. Um, I don't know what I'm going to read next. I probably need to pick back up on my Percy Jackson reading. But aside from that, oh, and I'm trying to finish Redemptor, which is the sequel to Ray Bearer. I'm listening to it. I'm a little more than halfway through right now. Um, You are further in your Percy Jackson reading than I am. Yes, I am. You need to catch up because we've got some episodes to record. I know. I'll I'll have it done before we record. Okay. Do you doubt me? No. <laughs> I have one hundred. I have one hundred percent confidence in your rage. I just wanted to make you sweat too, a little. That was way too long of a pause. <laughs> I just wanted to make you sweat a bit. I am currently on summer vacation. Like, mm-hmm. you, I am offended, Maggie. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> Friendly pressure. Crow fingers. <laughs> Don't our, listeners, our listeners are going to be like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yep. But Maggie, Percy Jackson news? So we've got more Percy Jackson news, which is very exciting. Um, So as of the time we're recording, we've got two new pretty significant updates for um, the Disney Plus adaptation. Um, We got three new um, characters casted. So there's Olivier Morton as Nancy Bobofit, Percy's bully at at Yancey Academy. Sorry. Um, we have Dior Goodjohn as Clarice LaRue, um, the Aries camper at Camp Half-Blood. And we have Charlie Bushnell as Luke Castellan. They're all so cute. I love them. <laughs> yes. We will link um, the article that has their casting announcement in the description. So I am very excited about all of them. Um, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, it did crack me up. I forget... Um, there was kind of a leak and I'm not going to say what it was because like, no, it it's hard to say whether like anything's been confirmed yet. But like the day after um, one of these actors was casted, they they may have accidentally leaked who one of the unannounced actors was, which I thought was a little bit funny. It was a um, Tom Holland as Spider-Man moment. <laughs> if you know, you know. And if you don't, Google it. Yes. I... I'm specifically not saying who it was because I want yeah. to protect their um I want to I want to just protect their their dignity. 
I mean, it's already out on the internet. So if you yeah. really do want details again, all you have to do is mm-hmm. Google it. Right. But. Yeah. I love them. They're so cute. <laughs> I am very excited. And we also just got a week four update. Um, no casting announcement in this update. But Rick did share something that is pretty cool, especially if you're um, interested in like how things are made. Um, so one of the things is that some of the scenes in the in the Percy Jackson show will be filmed on location and others will be filmed on like a, a production stage, I think is what it's called. And they're the specific thing that they're doing is they're filming it on what's what they're what they say is a volume stage. It's a very advanced type of production stage that's been used on shows like Disney Plus Mandalorian and I'm sure other things. So that's pretty cool. It sounds like they're really investing a lot of time and energy into having good effects and making sure the show looks really good, which Mm -hmm. I am excited about. Um, And one of the things I'll just say that um, Rick mentioned in his update, he says um, the cast is electrifying. They own their characters and turn their lines into magic on screen. That's even before editing soundtracks or special effects. So it sounds like the cast is really coming together and I'm just very excited and I want it now. I agree. And I'm kind of pissed off that we're going to have to wait a whole year. Soon. Soon. I I want it now. And this is not related to the TV show, but the book, The Lightning Thief, just turned 17 years old. um, And as part of a celebration i guess the staff at the reed riordan website so not rick riordan himself but like his writing staff that he has for Mm -hmm. his like website and things like that posted an article titled percy jackson and the olympians the lightning thief at 17 an anniversary celebration designed to make you feel old and i thought they were joking no i really felt old reading this article just i'll i'll say a couple of the things here The Lightning Thief is only one year older than the Nintendo Wii. The Lightning Thief is two years older than Netflix streaming. The Lightning Thief was released two years before the first iPhone, which I think is astounding. I feel like iPhones have been around for forever, but I have no concept of time. Forever apparently equals 15 years in Maggie's head. Apparently. Um, Okay, but in terms of like how, considering how many iPhones there are, it feels like they should have been around longer than 15 years. This is true. You know what I'm saying? The Lightning Thief is three years older than the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I also feel like has been around for forever. I mean, Marvel Comics has, but the Cinematic Universe started a long time ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I was not allowed to watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it first started. Really? Yeah, that's how old it is. Dang. And finally, the one that really punched me in the gut was Walker Scoble, the actor playing Percy Jackson in the upcoming Disney Plus series, is four years younger than the Lightning Thief. And I was just like, ah! But, 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 think about it this way. Walker Scoble has not had to exist in a world without Percy Jackson. You know what? I love that for him. That's a very good point. I feel like that's just such a highlight to be able Mm -hmm. to say i have not existed in a world without this right 
Anyway, if you want to read the whole list, we'll also link that in the description. Um, if you're like Rachel and me and you just want to feel old for a little while, there it is. And if you're not like Maggie and I, uh, you can act, like feel young as you're reading it because maybe you mm-hmm. are younger than the Percy Jackson universe. And if you are, good for you. You've got a long life ahead of you. Yes, indeed. So let's talk about The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. Woot woot. <laughs> So I'll just going to give, we are going to do a brief trivia time, um, but I want to talk a little bit just about like where the musical came from. Percy Jackson, or I'm sorry, it's called, the official title is The Lightning Thief, The Percy Jackson Musical, often sometimes shortened as The Lightning Thief Musical. Um, It began as a one hour off-Broadway production in 2014, which was then followed by a national tour. The music and lyrics are by Rob Rokiki. And um, the book is by Joe Trace. So after that, after that, The Lightning Thief kind of faded a little bit, um, but then it was revived in 2017 off-Broadway featuring the cast that most people who are familiar with, most people who know the musical now are most familiar with this cast, um, which includes Chris McCarroll as um, Percy, Kristen Stokes as Annabeth, George Salazar as um, Grover, and so on and so forth. So after the off-Broadway production, The Lightning Thief went on tour in 2019. Um, and that's when I saw it. I saw it in February 2019. And then in late 2019, the show moved to Broadway for, um, or I forget how long the run was, but it was on Broadway for a time. Oh, and there I know. Were just a, it was, you six, know? It was 16 weeks. It was 16 weeks. It was 16 weeks. How do you know that? Because I know things, Maggie. Okay. It was on Broadway for 16 weeks, um, and during that time, there were a couple of casting changes. Um, most notably, Jarrell Javier replaced um, George Salazar as Grover, but for the most part, the cast stayed pretty consistent. And yeah, that's that's just about all I have to say about the musical. Do you have any other random knowledge to share since you happened to know how long it was on Broadway for? <laughs> nope, that's all I got. That's all Rachel Scott. Well, are you ready for trivia time, Rachel? I mean, I guess. This, <laughs> this is my It's only two questions. Part. It's Maggie, only two questions. Just know that when we have, like, the truly devious season, I'm getting so back at you for this. I, I know you are. I am I am prepared. I'm, I'm accepting the consequences of my <laughs> actions. Okay, let's do this. So, one actor appeared in both the 2014 production and the 2017 revival. Who was it? And I will also accept the character's name. This is a You can make a guess or I can give you a hint. Uh, give me a hint. It is one of the main characters. One of the three main characters. I'm going to go with Annabeth. Correct. Yeah, Kristen Stokes was in the 2014 um, production of The Lightning Thief as Annabeth, and then she came back in 2017 to reprise that role. Interesting. Which I didn't know before looking it up, so that was kind of cool. Which theater did The Lightning Thief premiere on Broadway? Okay, I know this one exclusively because I watched a TikTok on it. Okay. Uh, Is it Longacre Theater? Yeah, it's the Longacre Theater. Correct. Thank you, TikTok. Why did you see a TikTok about it? I don't remember. 
It just okay. came up and it was like, here's information. Maggie, I just take it and I store it somewhere. And it only comes up like once in a blue moon. <laughs> well, it helped you out today. You're two for two on the Lightning Thief musical trivia. And that is all I got. We're going to get talking. I think we're going to go through song by song for the most part and just go in order throughout the um, soundtrack of the musical. If you want to listen to the cast recording, it is available on Spotify with some bonus tracks. Indeed. Um, I also have, and this is available to anyone who has $10. Um, you can purchase the um, script of, or I guess you call it the script, right? Yeah even though it's for a musical, you can purchase the script of the musical um, via their publication website. So I bought that and that's actually kind of interesting. So that fills in some of like the dialogue and things, but even without that, the soundtrack of the music or the cast recording is pretty clear. Like there's not a lot of gaps in between songs that need to be filled in, especially if you're already familiar with the story of the lightning thief which if you're listening to this podcast you're probably at least a little familiar with it and if you're my sister listening to this uh you are at least familiar enough with what i have told you to be able to work with this information exactly (laughs) so but uh, from time to time i might reference um like a couple of lines in the script that aren't in the soundtrack and also before we talk about the soundtrack i did want to read um at the beginning of the script, there's a there's a couple of authors notes just on like different things that they did during various productions and whatnot. And one of the things that I really like that they put in there is a paragraph that says, we also encourage you to look beyond traditional casting types when it comes to the character's race, gender, and physical ability. Above all, the characters in The Lightning Thief are gods and heroes, and gods and heroes can look like any of us. Which I think is, like, overall, very good point. Something we should all be keeping in mind. But, especially in an age when we are still casting the Disney Plus TV show, I really like that that point has been made. Because that is a very big deal in the Percy Jackson series. Is -hmm. that anyone can be a hero. So with that being said, shall we get started? I think so. All right. So, Act 1 of The Lightning Thief opens with prologue or the day i got expelled it's kind of two songs smushed up together into one track sure yeah and this is where we're introduced to our main character percy jackson again portrayed by chris mccarroll at least in the cast recording so rachel you have some favorite lines from this song what do you want to talk about first Well, okay, I'm going to go with the shortest line that I have listed just because it'll only take me like a second to read. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite lines from the entire musical is this ain't Odysseus's Odyssey. I don't know why. I just love it. It exists. We rock with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's partly the delivery too. Oh, yeah. And but like it is it is a 10 out of 10 line. I 100% agree. Um. But if we are looking at it more as a whole, I love the characterization of Percy in this song because one mm-hmm. of the first lines he sings is, I didn't want to be a half-blood. I didn't ask to be a hero seeking praise. Like Percy's whole thing is that he is just like everybody else or he wants to be just like everybody else and he doesn't want this extraordinary life set before him. He just mm-hmm. wants to be normal. <laughs> 
a little bit after that, we were talking about like Percy's on the field trip with a school and things are a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of leading up to something happened on this field trip, right? Percy says, hadn't done nothing wrong, wasn't rude, hadn't rebelled. And he's like, look, why is this happening to me? Right. Which I think is also I I've, that line has stuck out to me recently. Well, and and then continuing on with that, uh, Percy is talking to Mr. Brunner and is like, you think I'm trouble just like everyone else, to which Mr. Brunner says, no, but that is to say, I can only accept the best from you, Percy. Like, Mr. Brunner is like, I don't think you're trouble, but also like, (laughs) you don't belong here. Like, yeah, stop gaslighting the poor boy. (laughs) Yeah, this is basically like the first three chapters of The Mm -hmm. Lightning Thief condensed into one song, which It's pretty great. And if you don't like Mr. Brunner in the books, you are going to hate him in the musical. Yeah, he is actually somehow worse. Not somehow worse. Like, he he is just worse. He is just worse. It's just a matter of fact. (laughs) I do like the line towards the very end. um, And you kind of pointed it out here, too. So Percy says, so if you think you are a half-blood, better get head into the exits now, because folks will think you're lying, better run and don't start crying because you're monster chow. Or stick around and maybe you'll learn from me. And then he says that line, this This ain't Odysseus' Odyssey. Odyssey. There's kind of like this little bit of like, all right, look, being a half-blood sucks. Don't like it. Would not not recommend. But like, if you had to get advice from someone... I'm pretty good at that, which I feel like is a very Percy vibe. I can agree with that. I know we are not talking about the Hollywood film adaptations in this episode, but (laughs) going from like that to seeing this in just this opening song, like Percy's characterization is so on point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, really like that. This Percy is what 16, 17 year old Percy is supposed to be, not yes. what the movie made him into. Correct. Just as a statement of fact. Yeah, I, actually, that is a good thing to bring up too. Like, the age of the characters is not mentioned in the musical. The actors mm-hmm. are older than 12, at least in the oh, cast yeah. recording. And so that is just like, they age. I guess they do age up the characters without losing the charm and the heart of the story, which I think is really impressive. But that's also something that you get when you go into theater, right? Like the difference between movie acting and movie like suspension of belief versus theater Mm -hmm. is that theater is a lot harder to do because it is all live. I'm not saying that like movie TV acting is easy. That is not at all what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You but, can't edit it in post. Right. There's no editing. Everything has to be done live. And it's really hard to get child actors. So like one of the biggest like child actor plays is Annie. Right. And that one is pretty difficult to cast because you are looking for a very specific type of child and they grow out a costume and they grow out of the the role but when you are able to cast an adult or an older teenager uh you don't run into it as many issues because they remain looking the same and approximately the same size for significantly longer Mm -hmm. it's like it's like how we have an easier time believing and accepting musicals like wicked for 
any sort of inaccuracy versus musicals that are more real life. And we have more of an issue with real life musicals when they do something wrong that we perceive as wrong versus something that is more fantasy. Mm -hmm. It's almost the Stranger Things problem is what I'm going to call it now. Because Stranger Things, like chronologically, the show has taken place over like, what, a year and a half, maybe two years at most. Meanwhile, the production of the show has taken significantly longer. And these characters or these actors who were so young when they started filming have significantly like changed they've grown up and now you've got Mm -hmm. like these 18 year old actors playing characters who are supposed to be just starting high school which isn't like it's not it's not that big of a suspension of disbelief but that is we don't tend to suspend that much disbelief when it comes to movies and tv shows but we're more willing to do that with a stage production like a Mm -hmm. play or a musical but i also think it's more fair to have that suspension of disbelief Mm -hmm. in it in theater absolutely so after the first track we go into strong which is kind of percy and sally's song together um we do get introduced to sally she's wonderful they've gone to the beach and sally talks about blue food which is another pleasant surprise i think which they don't talk about in the movies yeah and again i don't want to keep harping on the movies because we're gonna have a separate episode for that um but yeah, that is another like nice little thing that gets thrown in there. Rachel, you have a line that you really like with that. I mean, I've got several. Talk, tell me about your favorite parts of Strong. So I really like when she's talking about the the actual food. So Percy is like, well, I'm weird or, you know, I'm I'm not normal. Mm-hmm. And Sally's Because he's like, just been expelled from school. Right, right. And Sally's like, well, neither is blue food. Blue food isn't normal. Blue food is strange. And that's why it's my favorite. I never want it to change. To make it boring, orange, or green. Why be black when there's aquamarine? So, like, first of all, we get all these colors listed in there. And I love it. I love when, Mm -hmm. like, weird colors are put into things. Uh, But then Percy's like, yeah, but that's that's not the end of it, right? Like... If you're weird, you're weak. And Sally responds with, well, that's where you're wrong. The things that make you different are the very things that make you strong. And that is a quote that I'm putting up in my classroom next year. Really? You didn't tell yes. me that. Yes. Uh, because the the students that I attract very much fit into that category of weird, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want the the things that make you different are the things that make you strong because that is very reflective of my students. I like that a lot. I also just want to point out, I know you have more things you want to say about this song, but I'm going to say something about it. Percy gets a little bit like protesting. Like he's like, look, mom, you just don't like you. You don't get it. Okay. Like very teenage boy mentality. He loves his mom, but he's like, mom, listen, please. He kind of goes off on this, I don't want to say tangent, but he says, I can't focus. I stink at school. My ADD gets the best of me. Dyslexia? Not cool. And that is like one of, there's a lot more, angst isn't quite the right word, a lot more bitterness with Percy that comes (laughs) through in this musical. Not that, I mean, I talked a lot about Percy's bitterness in The Lightning Thief in our last two episodes, but um, it comes through here too, just sort of like, Like, things are hard, and it's really, 
it's a real struggle for him. Um, and I like that that comes through in the musical in several places as well. I agree. Do you have anything else to say about this song? This is also the song where Sally starts alluding to Percy going to Camp Half-Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, there's a place you need to go where you belong, where the things that make you different are the things that make you special. Special like your father. Yes, Percy, you are special. So, A, she's talking about sending him away, and he's kind of upset about that. She's upset about that, but she also recognizes that that's where he needs to be. And also calling him special because the things that make him different are the things that make him strong and the things that make him special and make him who he is. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I love this song so much. It's such a good song. It makes me emotional. So from there, we go into the Minotaur and the Weirdest Dream, um, which is really just the fight with the Minotaur and Percy having a prophetic dream. I don't have much to say about it, except it does have one of the lines that cracks me up. Um, Percy's just kind of vibing in his dream world. And he's like, oh, look, a strange man in a Hawaiian (laughs) shirt. It was one of my favorite lines when we saw the um, broad or not the Broadway tour, the, the tour, the show tour. And it is still one of my favorite lines in the cast recording. That's all I have to say about it. I have nothing to say about it. <laughs> um, so then Percy wakes up at Camp Half-Blood and he gets a um, very interesting orientation from Mr. D, um, who in both um, the off-Broadway revival and on Broadway is played by the same actor as Grover. So that would be either George Salazar or Jarrell Javier. Um, just for context here. A lot of the side character roles are doubled by the actors. The main mm-hmm. cast only consists of seven actors. Um, so there's a lot of doubling going on. Um, but yeah, Rachel has a lot of feelings about Another <laughs> Terrible Day. It's not... You make it sound like I hate this song and that I have... I mean, it's not my favorite, personally. It. It's it's not my favorite, either. But I my... I don't even want to talk about the main focus of the song. I want to talk about Katie and Selena. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm going to give us some context. Yes. Context. Context here. Um, Mr. D is angry about everything, as he normally is. Um, and as the camp director, he's got a couple of... In the midst of him whining to Percy he's got a couple of campers coming in to ask him questions with complaints and whatnot um and two of those campers are Selena Beauregard and Katie Gardner yes um and context for Selena she and this other character Beckendorf are kind of a thing um so Selena comes running up to Mr. D and was like, I was walking in the strawberry fields with Charlie Beckendorf and we were holding hands and everything was totally normal. And then I kissed him and all of a sudden he started growing sunflowers everywhere. And Mr. D is like, look, kid, I hate to be the one to tell you, but I think that Charlie Beckendorf was also holding hands with a nymph that doesn't want to wish you well. To tell you the truth, the best thing to do is break up with the guy. <sighs> My issue isn't even with the line. It's that my boy Beckendorf would never. (laughs) He would never. 
I was saying to Rachel before we recorded, because I think this is her biggest issue with the entire um, show. And I said to her, you know what? If your biggest issue with a show is a line where they mention one character a single time, that's that says a lot about the show that it's good otherwise oh for sure i it also says a lot about you as a person but like we don't have to talk about that what does it say about me that you love beckendorf i love beckendorf (laughs) (laughs) we haven't talked about him yet in the podcast he doesn't really show up until um sea of monsters i think yep so um we will get to him in our um upcoming episodes and you will learn why i love beckendorf and i will make you love beckendorf as well good but i love beckendorf and he wouldn't do that (laughs) i say that with conviction (laughs) um but the second character in this song i want to talk about is katie gardner oh what selena is a child of of aphrodite uh, yes aphrodite and then we got katie gardner who's a child of demeter and she has fallen off of a pegasus (laughs) um because she was supposed to be at archery but she didn't want to go to archery because those arrows are made of wood wood comes from trees i refuse to participate in any activity that encourages the senseless slaughter slaughter of our arboreal friends and then mr d is like oh god Give me Ares or Apollo, anyone but the Demeter kids, Kevin. Now that you've blessed us, go talk to Hephaestus before I take a knife to my head and start stabbing. First of all, first of all, love Katie Gardner. She's one of my favorites. Second, mm-hmm. um, we have now rhymed blessed us with Hephaestus. And it just gets me. Um, but also, Mr. D is such a drama queen. Well, he is the god of theater and drama. I know, but the the boy right here is like, I'm going to stab myself in the head. Like, boy, pull yourself together. You are literally immortal. I just, Sometimes I wonder if he wishes he weren't. I think that that is a fair statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anything else to add about this song. Um, I do appreciate Mr. D being angry about everything. That feels very right i Um, concur but yeah so then chiron shows up um and again if you don't like chiron you're not gonna like him in this musical (laughs) he kind of tries to talk to percy and percy's like so where's my mom and chiron's like well she's gone and Percy's like, okay, the gods are real. How could they let this happen? And then Chiron kind of gives like this very pat answer of it kind of has everything happens for a reason vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, look, the gods are here, but like they have a purpose that we just don't understand, um, which is not very comforting to Percy. He's still angry. Um, and then Percy's like, okay, well, you say my dad's a god, so, like, who is he? And Chiron's like, uh, you know what? That's a good question. Um, I gotta go. <laughs> yep. And Do you have anything to add about that? Well, you really get to see a lot of Percy's resentment in this song. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he asked, so if my dad's a god, I'd like to know which one. He's got a lot to answer for. He showed no sign that he ever existed, no sign he might actually care. 
My mom raised me all on her lonesome. When I would reach out, no one else would be there. Well, I want my birthday cards and fishing trips. This is before we know he's a son of Poseidon. Uh, so I just think it's funny that they pick fishing trips, child support and homework tips. And he's like, I don't mean to whimper. And the guy didn't or, need to be yeah. dad of the year, but it's clear he could have shown us a sign. Mm-hmm. And that's, and so after Percy kind of goes on that rant, Chiron's like, okay, uh, gotta go. And that's when Luke shows up. Um, one of my favorite stage directions is in this part. Um, so it says Luke who has been watching from the sidelines sees his chance and steps forward. He oozes bad boy. Cool. <laughs> um, and just since we've been talking about um, who's portraying which characters, um, Luke is portrayed um, in the cast recording and on Broadway by James Hayden Rodriguez. But one of the first things that Luke says to Percy is no one would blame you for holding a grudge. So, hey, you're not alone. Yep. Uh. Um, and Luke also has a lot of bitterness, too. I mean, Luke has always been bitter. Like, that is that is a peak Luke quality, right? Um, but I really like how we're set up already with this parallel between Percy and Luke, both of them being angry at the injustice that they faced at the hands of the gods, right? Because mm-hmm. Luke's like, look, we're the reject cabin. Welcome to the dysfunctional family. So Percy gets settled at camp, then Capture the Flag takes place that night with the song Put You in Your Place. I don't have much to say about this song either, except that I appreciate how it condenses parts of the story again, because we get mm-hmm. both Clarice bullying Percy um, in the bathroom and the capture the flag game. And Clarice is portrayed by Sarah Beth Pfeiffer, um, who is also portrayed several other characters throughout the musical, but Clarice is her main role. I would argue with that. She also portrays um, Mrs. Gardner. Dodds and Katie Gardner. I would, I think we hear more from Katie than we do from Clarice in but, song. In song, but Clarice is more of is more plot important. I think. I would say in the books, but I wouldn't say in the musical. Fair enough. Ag- agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. I've also also only listened to the musical. I haven't seen it. But next we have the campfire song. Rachel, why don't you take this one away? Because I think this is one of your favorites. It's it, one of my favorites too, but I... Uh, because it's one of the best songs in the... I want you to start. Um, but the campfire song is, is them at the campfire, essentially talking about how much they hate their parents. So we hear from Luke, who's a child of Hermes. We hear from Annabeth, who's a child of Athena. Uh, We hear from Katie Gardner, who's a child of Demeter. Groover. (laughs) Groover. Groover. We hear from Grover, who claims to be a child of Pan. And we'll get into that in a second. We hear from Chiron, who's a child of Kronos. We hear from Selena, who's a child of Aphrodite. And then we hear from Percy, and who we still don't yet know is a child of Poseidon. Right. I know you're going to talk about some of the different lyrics and things, but I really like the way that this song is set up. It almost, like, it really does. We know that they sing campfire songs at Camp Mm Half-Blood. And there's even a couple of times when Percy mentions, like, the Apollo cabin let us in a 
rousing rendition of insert parody song about half bloods here right mm-hmm. um and and rick riordan comes up with some really entertaining titles but he, we never actually like hear what any of the songs are this feels like a song that would definitely be sung at oh Camp for Half-Blood. sure it's definitely a like fill in the blank here as you sing yeah. um so luke starts us off and he's talking about how his dad is hermes he messengers things um You'll know his sign by the shoes with those wings. I'd wait by the phone, but the phone never rings. When your dad's a god, life can be tough. I met the guy once and once was enough. For the record, once was not enough. But that's neither here nor there right now. I don't know if I have anything to say about that. Then we have Annabeth coming in. She goes, my mom's Athena. She's smart and she's wise. She's sworn off gluten, much like me, because I have celiac. And she's sworn off guys. (laughs) Not like me. I am married to a man. Uh, But if she came to camp, it'd be a surprise. (laughs) I think I broke Maggie. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny to me. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Carry on. <laughs> but Annabeth continues. But if she came to camp, it'd be a surprise. Oh, no. They sing the oh, no's in between each little part. Um, oh, and my stepmom, she hates me. My dad works all day. So I left Virginia and I ran away. And as soon as she utters that line, Percy's like, wait. Is that true? And then Luke Nobody. comes in and is like, everybody! And they all start singing again. And Percy's just like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Percy is very bewildered, I think is the best word for it. And they're still like gaslighting and gatekeeping him. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, this poor boy. And there's not a girl boss to be found. No girl bosses. Gosh. <laughs> um... But then we've got Katie Gardner who comes in. She goes, my mom's Demeter, goddess of grain. She gets excited when it starts to rain. But planting and planting and planting's a pain. Oh, no. For their 16th birthday, my friends got a car. I got a fern in some dumb mason jar, which I think we were talking kind of along these lines of Demeter being the goddess of grain when we came up with the, we want a fanfic about a child of Demeter who has celiac disease and yes. can't eat the grain. <laughs> I think it is a great fanfic idea. So if you're a Percy Jackson fanfic writer out there, I want this one. We want this one. Please send us a link when it's written. Yes, please do. And uh, it would be fantastic if it is like a full novel length. Yes. Just say No pressure. No, not at all. None whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, But then we get Grover, the boy, and he goes, I'm a child of Pan, god of the wild. For those who love nature, they're often beguiled. First of all, I would like to meet the person who rhymed wild and beguiled. Well, we know who they are. Well, I would like to meet them. That's the thing. We'll, we'll, We'll figure something out. Okay. Um, But then he goes, he's not really my dad, but I'm sort of his child, and then starts to have a little emotional breakdown. Uh, Which we all sometimes do in the middle of singing. You're not wrong. Or in the middle of anything. But everybody in camp is like, oh no, not again. 
And Grover continues and is like, he went for a hike to explore new frontiers and no one has seen him for thousands of years. And he starts crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me too, Grover. <laughs> I just love Grover. He is so filled with his feelings and I love that for him. Mm-hmm. Then we have Chiron and he goes, my father. Well, no, he walks in and Percy's like, so uh, how about you, Chiron? <laughs> And Chiron's like, well, my father's Kronos. Then there's this like awkwardly length paused mm-hmm. pause, and he goes, remember my lecture? He ate his children. And everyone's just kind of like, oh, yeah, his okay. dad's the worst. Yeah. So and then Luke tries to pick things up again <laughs> and calls on Selena to go next. And she sings the goddess of love my mom's aphrodite she tries to be cool but mainly she's flighty i'll bring home a boy and she's there in her nighty i tried to seek help from even the fates because she steals my mascara and all of my dates aphrodite stop being a creep you cannot go out with the the people that your children are interested in yeah that's weird don't do that don't just like general good rule of thumb to have yes um, but it, I also like that this whole bit implies that Selena has met her mom on multiple e- occasions and like mm-hmm. has with her. Yeah. God. Um, but then they call on Percy to sing and he's like, huh, no, if I try to sing, I'm going to cause an avalanche. But then everybody. Then they like, pressure him a little bit. I would say it's friendly pressure. Friendly, friendly pressure. pressure. Um. And he starts singing about his mom. And he's like, my mom was named Sally. She loved scary movies. And blued, blued that was food. <laughs> <laughs> and food that was blue. And, and everyone's like, he's doing it wrong. Right. And they're like, no, no, no. Who's your godly parent? And he's like, I, I don't know. So Luke encourages him to try. Like, just give it a shot. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So my dad is some god. That's great, I guess. Did he not want me or not want the stress? Too bad he's the worst and my life is a mess. Oh no. I hope he shows even a trace because I got some choice words to throw in his face. I think And everyone Percy, cheers. Right. I think Percy would have more than words to throw in his face. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, but that's another instance of angry, bitter, disillusioned Percy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, where was my dad when I needed him? Like, you say he's some powerful god. Well, where is he? He wants his birthday card and fishing trips. Mm -hmm. Child support and homework homework tips. tips. Like, come on. It's it's not even the bare minimum, right? Like... But the bar is so low. We are playing limbo in Hades. Mm-hmm. We sure are. Um, but the one of the lines that gets repeated consistently is things could be worse when your parents run the universe. Things could be worse when your f- folks run the universe. Or sorry, things couldn't be worse when folks run the universe. Um, but then Luke finishes up the song with, I don't care who our parents, or where our parents may be, as long as you are here with me. And like, and the rest of the, the rest of the campers echo back that line at him. Yes. But 
I think that is such the sentiment that all of the demigods have with each other that it just makes it even more painful when we do have the divide at the end. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Yeah. I don't like it. It hurts my heart. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. It's all your fault, Maggie. It is all my fault. So somewhere after the campfire song, Percy gets claimed. He goes to meet the Oracle. This song is really short. There's nothing really worth it saying about it. It has the prophecy in it with slightly He gets a prophecy. Words. And there's a little bit of discussion after the prophecy where they're like, okay, Percy, you got to go do this quest. And Percy's like, uh, what do you mean I got to go do this quest? I'm not going on any quest, especially not for my dad who just called on me because he needed me. Mm-hmm. And Chiron says to him, like, no, you have to go because Mr. D has pointed out, like, look, if Zeus doesn't get his lightning bolt back, um, he's going to start punishing the entire camp. He's going to start punishing all of Camp Half-Blood. So Chiron basically kicks Percy out of camp to go on this quest. Which, again, as Rachel has said several times already, if you didn't like Chiron in the books, you're not going to like Chiron here. Yep. And then Percy gets his solo song, I guess, which is Good Kid. So one of the first times I was actually I think it was the first time I listened to it on my own I was driving to school in the morning and I was in my feelings that morning and good kid came on and I'm like sitting at the light waiting to turn into my school just bawling my eyes out (laughs) that's that just about kind of sums up all my feelings about good kid actually Because it's Percy singing about how every single time he's been to a new place, he gets kicked out. Mm Mm-hmm. And all he ever wanted to be was a good kid, and then specifically a good son. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's tried so hard, and nothing seems to work out for him. And the, the part that gets me is at the end, where it's just after pack your bags, Percy, now go, go away. And it goes, I never try to do anything. I never mean to hurt anyone. I swear, I swear that I'm a good kid. Yeah, Percy, that's a good one. But no one ever will take my side. All I ever do is take the fall. I swear, I swear that I'm a good kid. Guess I'm good for nothing at all. All the schools in six years, every battle every day. No one ever tells me that they're proud. No one asks me, Percy, how'd you like to come round and stay? And that, like, as a teacher, just hurts so much. Yeah. And it reminds me, it reminds me a lot of my ducklings because they're my ducklings. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like, whenever I... I'm talking to my students and they say something like, aren't you so proud of me? I say, yeah, I am proud of you, but you should be more proud of you because you shouldn't find your satisfaction in another person's proudness of you. Pride. Yes. And I I just want all of my kids to know that they're loved and I want Percy to be my duckling because he deserves better. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a really good song, and it will hit you right in the feelings, just a fair warning. 
It's like uh, that TikTok sound with the fireworks and the punching. It's like the whole beginning of the musical. Psh, good kid. Psh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. So from good kid, we move into killer quest, which is when Percy says, well, actually, Luke kind of points him in this direction. Luke's like, look, if your mom's gone, she's in the underworld. And Percy's like, oh, yeah, and I've got to go to the underworld for this quest. So, yeah, I'll go on this quest for my dad, quote unquote, and I'll go save my mom. Mm -hmm. So then we get the whole like quest preparing preparation. preparation. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um grover says like i'm going with you and percy's like whoa 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 that's like dangerous and grover says nope i'm coming with you whether you like it or not and annabeth invites herself along because she's like these two idiots are going to get themselves killed without me and she's kind of right about that yeah she's not entirely wrong yeah um and that's how we close act one with killer quest um I didn't have a whole lot to say about this one it is a fun song and i do really enjoy it but it and it's like a great closer to the first act but I don't have anything to really analyze about it. I'm with you on that one. Act two. So in act two, we start with lost, which is about being lost in the woods somewhere in New Jersey. And they're never going to make it to LA. I do like this song. It is a little long and I don't really have anything to say about it. I do think it's a good way to start act two. Percy says the line, I don't want to die in the garden state. As someone from Eastern Pennsylvania who has an irrational dislike of New Jersey, I (laughs) identify with that statement. That's funny. That's all I have to say about Lost. Um, Also, I have to amend a previous statement that we made. Oh, yeah? In the which is a bigger role, Clarice or Katie Gardner in the musical... And I'm going to say out of all the roles that actress use or plays in this musical, the most important one is actually the squirrel. That is true. She is the squirrel and she does an excellent job. I think that's her biggest role. I think you're right. Um, So from Lost, we meet Medusa. There's a whole fight with Medusa that doesn't happen on the recording, um, but it does in fact happen. And after that, Percy and Annabeth kind of get into a little bit of an argument. And Percy's like, oh, that's when Annabeth says her line about like, look, our parents don't get along. And Percy's like, oh, that's why you don't like me. And Annabeth is actually a little bit taken aback by that. She's like, I never said I don't like you. And Percy's like, well, you're criticizing me like all the time. Um, and they kind of talk it out a little bit. And Annabeth is like, look, like, I just want my mom to notice me. Like she she gave me this cap that makes you invisible. Um, And Percy says, I know what it's like not to feel good enough. I'm sorry. I know what it's like to not feel good enough. Do you know how many times I've been kicked out of school? And Annabeth responds, yeah, but when boys screw up, they always get another chance. And then she sings her song, My Grand Plan. I have one fun fact about My Grand Plan. Do it. When it was originally written, it listed a bunch of other gods or not gods but a bunch of other um heroes yeah heroes greek mythology characters who are associated with athena who had a massive impact on like greek mythology Mm -hmm. and then after she lists them all out she says annabeth yes i wish wish that that line still existed yeah yeah it should have it should have stayed Mm -hmm. 
From my grand plan, we kind of go into a montage of the trio traveling west. So from... Well, first of all, Percy sends Medusa's head to Olympus because he's impertinent. Um, and then we they travel west. Um, they hitch a ride on a tractor. They take a train. Rachel, why don't you take this one away? Uh, so... Drive is another like shortening of the story song, which I think that mm-hmm. they do really well. Um, so we have the Gateway Arch, which has a, my favorite line. It's literally like a grand total of three lines mm-hmm. at the Gateway Arch. Um, yeah. But they're like, oh, is that a chihuahua? And then <laughs> a, a, a kid and, and whatever. Ichin, Ichinda, Ikinda. I Ichinda, can never remember whatever. how to say it. She just goes, it's a chimera. <laughs> And then they're all like, okay, bye. (laughs) So we don't get the um, Percy jumping out of the gateway arch scene, which is a little bit of a disappointment to me, but I understand why we skipped over it. How would you do that in theater? For such a short bit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the things that I like about that scene, which is Percy, like trusting his father for the first time, Mm -hmm. like accepting his identity as a son of poseidon i think those come through in other scenes i agree um we also have this scene where or the kind of like reprise line is stay ahead stay ahead and stay alive which at the end turns into stay ahead and don't get dead and stay alive and if that's not a whole mood i don't know what is um that's just how i feel doing anything at all in my life ever i agree Something else that I really love in Drive is we get introduced to Ares in this song. Um, Mm -hmm. And Ares is also played by Luke. James Hayden Rodriguez, who is Luke. Which is a nice little, um, I mean, I know part of the reason it has to do with like vocal range and Mm -hmm. like stage time and things like that. But I also really like the, um, the nice little bit of irony there with Luke and Ares being played by the same actor. Yes. Throughout the whole thing, it's very much a, like, if you know, you know. And then at Mm -hmm. the end, if you don't know, you're like, (gasps) Exactly. And we get a little bit of an allusion to Mm -hmm. characters that we haven't met yet in the podcast, but who are among my favorites. Yeah, we get the scene at the Lotus Hotel, which actually, I should have written it down because one of my favorite lines is here. And... They're like, okay, we made it to Vegas. We need a place to stay tonight. And Percy's like, hey, how about this place? The Lotus Hotel. And Annabeth's like, you're joking, right? In the Odyssey, if you went to sleep in a Lotus bed, one night could last a hundred years. And Percy's like, well, I'm sure that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he walks up to one of the girls who's staying there. And he's like, hey, excuse me. um, Like, how long have you been staying here? And she says... Why, my brother and I arrived just yesterday, May 1st, 1939. And they're all like, uh, we're gonna go now. Uh, (laughs) And then the song keeps going. It's such a funny song. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The stage direction here is, they can't get away fast enough. (laughs) But yeah, I do really like Drive. This was the song. song that was stuck in my head pretty consistently during uh state testing and it was really unfortunate because i couldn't just play it because my kids were doing state testing Ugh, stupid state testing i know it's the worst literally absolutely the worst 
Percy has another dream in the weirdest dream reprise. 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 I never say it right. If I say it both times, one of them will be right. Reprise is the noun. Reprise is the verb. I hate it. (laughs) It's the English language. I never said I liked the English language. (laughs) We do that. I say as I host a podcast in English about About books books. written in English. The the English language does that with a lot of words that are both nouns and verbs, like Mm -hmm. resume versus resume. But that's more of a French connection. Yeah. But we do it a lot. That's all I have to say. For, For those of you playing along at home, that has been two grammar lectures with Rachel in this episode. You know what, um, if you keep if you keep a tally mark, if you keep track, we'll give a prize to whoever is the closest. Okay, we'll we'll send you like a signed postcard or something. You know what, Maggie? Yes, I can't help it. Okay, we are coming up onto what I think might be my favorite song in the entire musical. Yeah, so Percy has already had his solo song, really, like in Good Kid, right? And so Annabeth has had yep. Annabeth has had hers in My Grand Plan, and now we're getting into Grover's, which is the tree on the hill. I just I forgot to say this when we were talking about My Grand Plan. So in My Grand Plan, Annabeth's desire here is to be seen and remembered. Like that is a very key part. So just keep that in the back of your mind. In The Tree on the Hill, Grover, we get to see into Grover's head a little bit more and his desire to protect his friends and keep them safe. Yes. And this is when he tells Percy the story about what happened with the first half-blood he was supposed to bring to camp. If we remember back to our discussion from the last two weeks, um, we know that Grover was tasked with bringing Talia to camp and then also brought... Annabeth and Luke and Talia doesn't make it and she gets turned into the tree on the hill um so we have Grover telling the story of that to Percy and Grover is talking and is just filled with so much guilt um and how the tree on the hill is a constant reminder of that so he's talking about and on the hill up on half-blood hill uh A cold wind blew, dark and chill, for nothing would slake its wrathful will. We had to make a stand. And maybe if I'd been a little bit braver, maybe if I'd stayed behind to fight, but maybe it doesn't let me go back and save her. Maybe it doesn't make it all right. So Grover is just filled with this guilt because he failed with his one task up until this point. Right, His one task was to bring Talia safely to camp, and he didn't. So now there's the tree that protects everyone, but the tree on the hill up on Half-Blood Hill that protects us all and always will, and it's there reminding me of all I failed to be. And when you, when you look at the lyrics, you can kind of read it two ways. Here's a third grammar lesson for you. Um, the tree on the hill up on Half-Blood Hill that protects us all and always will. And always will, and it's there reminding me. So you've got this always will protect them, but also always will remind Grover of what he failed to be. Now I'm crying. When we were going over our notes earlier, I was bawling my eyes out typing these up. Yeah. 
it it's it's emotional i just want to give grover a hug i want to give him all a hug hug. (laughs) like this boy Mm. i hate it (laughs) i know um and actually one thing that you don't see in the musical but at least when i went to this is one of the things i remembered because as i've said already i did go see the lightning thief when it was on tour um it was actually um at a college near where i grew up um they did a like a one night show there um i won't go on a tangent about that one of the things i remember from that show because it was three years ago before a pandemic so memories not great um, memories, my, my memories are not as intact as I would like them to be, but, um, one of the actresses comes out, um, the production we saw, there was kind of like a balcony above the stage. Um, and she comes out on that balcony and at, dressed as Talia. Um, so you kind of get that as Grover is telling the story, there is sort of like a silent visual representation. There's sort of like this image of a cyclops that appears behind her um or of a monster i think they say it's a cyclops um in the script i i read it the other day and i can't remember um but all that to say it's nice how this song works visually and it just kind of brings out the feels a little bit more too so are we are you good with tree on the hill are we ready to move on yes we can move on so from that somber song we get a poppy funky um track called doa which is the journey to the underworld um doa being dead on arrival and this is caron the actress for caron also portrays selena beauregard sally jackson and the oracle um in the off broadway revival which is what the cast recording is from she is portrayed by carrie compare compare um and in the U.S. tour and on Broadway, she was portrayed by Jalen Steele. So anyway, she comes in and just kind of gives this funky little tour of the underworld to our trio. Um, and I don't have much to say about DOA. I mean, it's fun. It's it's a good song. It's not really all that deep, except at the very end, right as the song is kind of building up to its uh, climax at the end, Karen taunts all three of the main characters she says, you ain't ever going to save what matters. You ain't going to protect your friends. You ain't ever going to be remembered. This is where your story ends today. Which is the three things that we've talked about. Well, two we've talked about. Third was kind of implied. Percy just wants to protect. He wants to save his mother. That's all he wants. She says, nope, you're not going to do that. Grover wants to protect his friends. She says, no. And... Annabeth wants to be seen and remembered. And Caron says no. And like just kind of like pulling all those things back together, I think makes me respect the song a little bit more than I used to. Because it feels almost too poppy to be like this climactic moment where we finally meet the man or the god that we believe has stolen the lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of brings us back to the oh, this is serious. No one has ever gone to the underworld before or no demigod has come back from the underworld in like centuries. Mm-hmm. So I really like that bit there. From there, Percy confronts Hades. Hades is like, bro, I don't have the lightning bolt, obviously. They escape the underworld um, and we get back to the beach. There's 
per- Percy calls on a portal, they get to the beach, and this is where we face off with Ares in the song Son of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Which is, I can't, I think Son of Poseidon is that moment that the Gateway Arch is for me in the books. This is where Percy asserts his identity and says like, okay, look, maybe my dad was a screw up too. And like, maybe things aren't the way I want them to be, but like, I am still a son of Poseidon. I still have power and I am going to use that Mm -hmm. to make things the way they, to make things go back to the way they should be. Yep. Or make things better. Um, you had a couple of things you wanted to say about this, right, Rachel? Uh, it was just so, like some of the lines that I really liked because at the beginning of the song, we have Percy being like, my good intentions always crash and burn. Everything I try to do will fail. Never once will I prevail. Um, then as he is facing off with Ares, he is singing the son of Poseidon and I'm going to win the son of Poseidon and I'm done running. And then at the very end, we've got, I'm the son of Poseidon. I never asked to be, but I'm of the son of Poseidon. Now face the tide inside of me. So he's gone from this, well, I'm a screw up, as you were saying, to, well, I'm going to keep fighting, to, I'm going to do it. I did it. Now you got to face the consequences because now you've unleashed it, right? I love that for him. He Yes, that's like King moment right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a little bit of a reprise of Good Kid here, right? Like sort of the beginning, those lines you were reading, seems my good intentions, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The melody kind of calls back to Good Kid there. So we were sort of reminded of the growth that has happened mm-hmm. since that song. Percy obviously destroys Ares. Ares goes and pouts. We get a little bit of um, conclusion kind of wrapped up here. Sally comes back. Percy and um, Poseidon kind of have their little chat. And it's awkward and weird, but it kind of ends on a good good note. Sort of like at the end of the book, The Lightning Thief. And then we get back to camp with the last two songs. But before we talk about them, I just want to say there's a little bit of dialogue right before um, the last day of summer. That's not, again, not in the soundtrack, but in the script. Everyone's like, whoa, Percy came back alive. And Annabeth says to Clarice, like, hey, we met your dad. And Clarice says, you met my dad. And then in a sort of like a softer, smaller tone, she's like, did he mention me? Which I think is... I don't want to say it's more characterization than Clarice deserved, but it is a really nice note of that. She has more depth than just being like the aggressive bully at camp. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I also do want to point out that she is mentioned by Ares. Yes. That's how he introduces himself. Mm -hmm. He's like, Ares, God of war. Maybe you've met my daughter, Clarice. Right. So, and I think part of that is to help the audience, but it also kind of does make a point of Clarice must stand out to him in some way for him to be the one to name her, for for him to name her. For her to be the one he names. Yes, that is what I was trying to say. Thank you. I got you. Uh, The last days of summer, though. This song, I, I needed this song, but for the fall, for the school year. Because mm-hmm. I kept saying, I'll be back next summer. And I'm like, I am I will be home 
next summer as I am every summer. I need a I will be back next fall. I will be na- back. I'll be back. I will be back next autumn. This is true. There you go. And this is the song where Luke and Percy kind of have their final conversation slash confrontation. I really like that. There's a little tiny parallel in this song. Um, Cause in their sign, when Luke is introduced, he looks at Percy, he's like tough first day and then introduces himself in the last day of summer. He sees Percy and he's like, Hey, tough last day. Um, so it's just sort of like that, that nice little, it doesn't really mean anything, but it is kind of like a nice little bookend almost mm-hmm. to the story. And then they get talking about things and Luke has a lot of things to say. And... Before we talk about Luke, I want to talk about Percy. Okay, let's talk about Percy. I'm sorry, I've skipped ahead. You did skip ahead because it the, it kind of starts out with Percy asking these rhetorical questions. You know, what do you do when the quest has ended? What do you do when the battle's won? So many questions left unanswered. So many things still left undone. And if that does not read to you as someone who has PTSD, I don't know how much harder they need to hit you across the head for you to understand that Percy Jackson, age 12, has PTSD. No disagreements here. I just... he He's like, well, well now what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I've, and he's looking to Luke for some help. Like, Luke has been kind of his mentor, right? He's older, he's more experienced. Um, and he's like... And Percy says to him, like, look, I thought everything would make sense, but it doesn't. And, like, I don't feel like this is over. Mm-hmm. And Luke's just kind of like, yeah, I get it. I came back changed when he went on his quest. I came back changed, but the rest of camp was exactly the same. And he's like, look, Chiron said that they made camp to keep us safe. But the truth is it's so that they wouldn't have to see us so that they don't have to think about us. And it's like, it's time that we took over and made the world our own. It's time someone put them in their place, which of course calls back to um, Clarice and Aries always saying, I'll put you in your place, both in, um, Wow, I'm totally blanking on the title. Is the song called Put You in Your Place? Yep. So it's them saying that during the Capture the Flag, which is Put You in Your Place and I'm Just a Doofus, and also in The Son of Poseidon. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when Luke confesses. He's like, look, Ares thought we were like just starting a war between the gods, but it was bigger than that. It was about wiping them out and taking our turn. And that's when Percy realizes you're the lightning thief. And there's all this realization, like you set me up and you're working with Kronos. Why would you do such a thing? And Luke's like, look, Kronos is going to help me get rid of our parents. And Percy's like, yeah, um, he's using you to get back at the gods. And Luke says, good. And he, um, he, he has this massive parallel with Percy's good kid. Yeah. This is the, this is like, like, we've talked about the good kid reprise here and there. This is the good kid reprise. So Luke goes, I've been here since I was a kid. Did everything they ever asked. Yeah, I did. And for what? You know this world will never be ours as long as our parents rule over the stars. So I'll do anything. I don't care if I hurt anyone. It doesn't pay to be a good kid. A good kid, a good son. 
The gods were never on our side, so I think it's time we watch them fall. And soon you'll see what I did. Soon there'll be no gods at all. Like, Luke is ready to come in and just destroy everything. I don't know if it's just a me thing, but I feel like these lines hit different as someone in their 20s in the year 2022. I feel this on the teacher side of things of like, I am so tired of all of the policies in place that do not help our students whatsoever, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're just in place because they're the right thing to do. They're the scientifically proven thing to do. First of all, most educational theory is not scientifically proven. What we think of as educational theory is usually less than five years old because education as a science is so unbelievably new. Mm -hmm. And I realize I go on this rant a lot, but also like it is one of the biggest things in my life, right? Right. And I feel this as a teacher being like, well, what's the point in being a good teacher? I have done everything that you have ever asked me to do and you still fail me. So you know what? I am done playing by your rules. I am going to make my own rules and I am going to do what is best for me and what is best for my students because that is my priority. You and your rules are not my priority. And that's Mm -hmm. what Luke is saying here is, you have never made me a priority, so you're not going to be a priority. Mm-hmm. I think, not that I'm not sympathetic to Luke in the books, I think this bit in the musical made me more sympathetic to Luke than anything else about him. Like, mm-hmm. not that he's not a sympathetic character, not that he's not a complicated antagonist. That's not what I'm saying. I just think this gets to me where things in the books don't necessarily reach me. And part of that could be like just the age that I am now. Part of that could be as when these things were written, because the lightning thief was written starting in 24, starting in probably the 2010s. Meanwhile, Percy Jackson is from the early to mid two thousands. So like there is like a several year gap there as well. If you're an angry Gen Z or millennial, or whatever they call the people in between. Zillennial. Um, if you're a angry millennial, zillennial, or Gen Z person, um, this bit of The Last Day of Summer was written for you, apparently. And it's not even, like, the people who are there, like, give me a reason and I'll do something. This is, like, the people that have already been given the reason. Yes. Right? Like, exactly. I'm ready to throw hands. There's no yeah. stopping me. I'm going to keep us moving forward just through um, the end of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's not funny, but it is kind of funny to me. So in The Lightning Thief, the way that Luke attacks Perseus with the scorpion poison, right? Um, We do not have a scorpion on stage. This is something that I remember from the show when we saw it. (laughs) Um, Instead, Luke just whips out his sword and just stabs Percy. (laughs) <laughs> Which isn't funny, but it is kind of funny when you know, like, in the, like, he kind of is very passive in this, not passive, but like, it's a little bit of a passive assassination mm-hmm. um, in the Lightning Thief book. And in the, on stage, he just like takes out a knife and stabs him. Um, and it is mentioned in the script, actually, that his sword is Backbiter. Um, they say fans know it's called Backbiter. So that's a fun little anecdote there. 
Percy comes too. Everything is fine. Luke runs off. They say, we're going to hunt him down and we're going to take care of him. And Chiron says some stuff that's not really that important. Um, And right before the final closing song, Percy says, no, Luke was right about one thing. We can't hide at camp waiting for our parents to fix things. We have to do it ourselves out there in the real world. That's where the monsters are. Annabeth replies, the gods will say we're impertinent. Percy says, we are impertinent. And that leads us right into the final song, which is Bring on the Monsters, which I think is my personal favorite. Um, I feel like it's a little bit of a cliche to say like, well, the closing song is my favorite of the musical, but like this one is my favorite. <laughs> I can I can say that confidently. Good. Um, but I've said a lot of things. Rachel, do you have anything to say about this song? Uh it's not my personal favorite of the musical. <laughs> That's okay. That's all I got. Like, I like the the idea that the real world is what is actually filled with the monsters. That the mm-hmm. monsters don't are not actually that scary in comparison to what they have to face outside of camp. Yeah. Level. I really like that the song makes this connection that is made of so you've got your demigods they are facing mythical monsters in the real world as annabeth says the real world is where the monsters are for us in the audience we're not facing cyclops cyclopes or whatever other like there's no hydras out here there's no lotus eaters there's no chimeras there's no but there are monsters in the real world And I almost like this song as sort of a call to action, both for the demigods at camp and for the audience listening and watching. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of like that, that, that connection it makes with the quote unquote, I guess I shouldn't say quote unquote real world, but like with the real world um, and kind of breaks the fourth wall almost a little bit, but in a subtle way. Mm -hmm. Um, My favorite line in the song is, no, I'm never going to once have it easy. I'll make mistakes, but my own, and it frees me. Summer's over. It's time to begin. And if you're looking for trouble, then count me in. Um, that's my favorite. And if I say any more, I'm going to get really emotional. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And that's the end of the musical. That's the end of the musical. And we all clap and we cry and it's a good time. Standing ovation. Standing ovation. I think there was a standing ovation when we saw it actually come to think of it. Deservedly. Deservedly. See, okay. I'm going to go on a little mini rant here. Sure. Uh, A lot of people kind of give crap to musicals. And they're like, oh no, only the classic musicals are that impactful. And then they list things like, my Fair Lady and Grease and like all of these musicals that I really don't like. Whereas I can talk about like this and dissect it and be like, so this is why I'm so emotional about it. Or I can talk about like Shrek the musical and be like, this is why this musical is superior or the Adams Family musical, which are all in the scheme of musicals, very recent musicals. But they're kind of pooped on because they're new musicals or they're for a younger audience. Like, No, no, no. That's exactly who you should be appealing to because they are going to take these very mature topics and these very mature and sensitive issues and make them approachable for an audience that is younger and therefore more approachable to an audience that is older. So you should appreciate these musicals. Um, 
I actually have a lot of strong feelings about how the Lightning Thief musical gets treated by, like, the larger theater fandom. Now, I'm not as well-versed in musicals as Rachel is. Um, I only know a handful, and I'm okay with that boundary I've placed in my life. Um, But, um, so, when when the Percy Jackson musical came out, it did actually receive a lot of praise, which is why it got those revivals and, like, it was well loved by fans and I think that was what made it so successful. And it did have a really strong media presence. Like social media presence was a big drive for it. It got really good reviews like on its off-Broadway production, on its um, uh, touring production in 2019. I'm, I'm summarizing this from Wikipedia and there are sources here. Um, but there is, um, when it premiered on Broadway... So in a review of um, The Lightning Thief on Broadway in the New York Times in 2019, um, actually, I think I remember when this was going around, come to think of it, um, now that I'm looking at it again. Um, in one of the opening paragraphs, the author, um, review, the reviewer says, the musical based on the popular 2005 novel by Rick Riordan, it is both overblown and underproduced filled with sentiments. It can't support and effects. It can't pull off. Um, later in the article, they say the current version, which opened as a long theater, blah, 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 has all the charm of a tension headache <laughs> um, to disguise its inaptness for Broadway. The writer's, um, doubled the length, adding a clutch of unnecessary songs and generally inflated the material so hard it explodes whatever mild pleasures made the book worth adapting in the first place. And to that I say, get lost. That is the <laughs> nicest way I can say that. I was wondering um, how you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Why... It has... I, re- I think I remember reading this review or one similar to it um around the time because there was some like drama on twitter about like hey this got a really bad review in a major publication like what gives and a lot of it i feel like is kind of what you were saying rachel is that this is irreverent of what people would consider things that should be revered because apparently we need to revere classical mythology which classical put that in quotation marks too it's just like classical anything, like classic literature, classic musicals, mm-hmm. classic music, anything that is contemporary is often just automatically labeled as bad or poor quality, mm-hmm. to which I just want to say, so were the classics when they were written. Yes. Yeah, I'm not here for the Broadway pretentiousness. Um, if you don't like The Lightning Thief, that's fine. It's not for you. But I don't think it is fair to say it. The musical does what it sets out to do. And in the end, isn't that what we should be judging something, uh, a, an art's worthwhileness by? I know that sentence came out wrong, but The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical, sets out to give a faithful adaptation of a beloved book to the audience who loves that book. Mm hmm. People who love Percy Jackson, for the most part, they're not going to want to sit through some stuffy, like, really drawn out, really, like, deep and, like, overbearingly um, thought-provoking or whatever 
kind of performance. They want something that is fun and weird and still makes you think because that's what Percy Jackson is about. Everyone who loves Percy Jackson is a weird kid. Like that's just a baseline. Like if you liked Percy, if you like Percy Jackson, you were probably a weird kid growing up. I feel very confident saying that. And you can put weird in quotation marks or whatever. (laughs) Um, You know, and maybe you do like classical musicals and like, that's fine, but that's not really the target what is not that's not what than Percy Jackson was meant to be. Yeah, and that's partly why the movies failed. Right, the movies tried to make something out of Percy Jackson that it was never meant to be. In that it is too dark. It is mature. It's it it's artsy and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what Percy Jackson is. And that's okay. That doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. It doesn't mean it doesn't have deep thoughts. You know, you can be fun and still be thought-provoking. Yes. And that's our take on classics versus contemporary everything. That's my take on (laughs) Broadway. I really thought we were going to make it through without um, me going on my rant about The Lightning Thief and how it's been mistreated by, like, the general musical community but rachel brought it up and now you got a maggie rant we'll add that one to the list (laughs) for every like 20 of the rachel rantings there's one maggie yep (laughs) i gotta get one in every so often oh don't worry with sea of monsters there's a bit that just gets me riled up and i'm so excited to go on the rant oh good 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 Well, speaking of which, Sea of Monsters, we will be talking about next week. And I'll give you a little bit of a preview. We are going to be joined by a special guest for our Sea of Monsters episodes. Um, You've heard me talk about in The Lightning Thief, I had to outsource some of my trivia questions to one of my really dear friends, Lydia. Um, And I asked her, I was like, hey, you like Percy Jackson. Why don't you come be on our podcast? And I told her she could pick any of the books and she picked Sea of Monsters. So, um, She's going to be joining us for those episodes, and I'm really looking forward to um, having her take on that as well. Indeed. Well, do you have anything else to say to our listeners before we wrap things up? I don't think so. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. If you haven't listened to the Lightning Thief musical already, please go and do that. There's also bonus tracks available that we didn't even touch on. Um So there's all kinds of good stuff out there. Follow the musical on Twitter because even though they're not doing productions right now, they're still pretty active on social media Mm -hmm. and share lots of stuff about like productions being done by community and school theaters and things like that. So um, I really encourage you to look into this um, even just like once just to see if it's your thing or not. And if it's not, that's okay. We'll be back next week talking about the Sea of Monsters. Goodbye, everybody. All right. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of I'm Not the Book Expert, But She Is. You can find us online at bookexpertpod.wordpress.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at bookexpertpod. If you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review on our website or wherever you find your podcasts. We'll see you again soon.